Welcome to the Whistle Mission Outdoors Podcast. I am Jim. I'm Pat. And we are a podcast dedicated to the outdoors for the states of Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan, Indiana. If your state borders Lake Michigan, this podcast is for you. We cover anything outdoors, especially hunting, fishing, mountain biking, conservation, any issues you got concerning the outdoors. And remember, if you can hear this podcast, that means you can be on it. Email us at whistlemissionpodcast at gmail.com. Welcome and enjoy the show. Introducing the world's newest big game killer, Patrick. Well, I didn't think you'd do it like that. So I told you I had an intro and all that stuff. And I told you I'm not telling him the, uh, the uh, episode title until, he's, until he sees it on I Spotify. think I got an idea. So, yeah. So anyway, Pat was very successful this week. He's going to tell you all about it. Yeah, and I was going to be more subtle than that. He's uh he's sick right now. Yeah, sorry. Again, it's a weekly sickness, you know. Weekly sickness, <laughs> man. I never have a cold. I always hear my stomach this and my stomach that. Yeah, and... my uh, maybe I, you're. Uh... I completely changed my diet after Hayward. Yeah, and I've just been up and down, back and forth. Yeah, your body's like, like, real highs up? and real lows. What's this healthy stuff that keeps getting dumped into me? I, mean, I don't know how to react to all this. <laughs> like for instance, I used to eat pasta all the time. I have pasta once. And I'm just totally screwed up. Yeah. Totally screwed up. I haven't had pasta in such a long time that I'm just, it like totally messed me up. So do you want to, I take it you want to, you're going to, you're going to give us detail on your hunt, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. On my segment. So, so we have to um, tell you what we did this week though. We, we went to uh, Wisconsin, this place that we'd planned out where we went turkey hunting and uh, yeah, it was, it was a pretty unique situation. I'm still very unsuccessful. I went hunting uh, a couple of times. I'm trying new things because the typical ways of deer hunting that people tell you just aren't working. I think it has more to do with a hunter problem than it is the actual deer in the area. I'm starting to figure out that these deer sit in the same set of woods all year. And then all of a sudden one month, there's eight different people climbing trees around. They're looking like, hmm, we're going to steer clear of this until this stops. And so I got some ways that I've been combating that. And uh, I was actually going to talk to you about one for tomorrow. Um, but yeah. I really uh, think deer hunting around here, with especially on public land, comes down to competition between hunters rather than yeah. competition between you and the deer. Yeah. So anyway, I guess we could just get into the news. Uh, I'm not sure how long of an episode this is going to be because we don't have a bush like Billy. Kel's talking about doing this one. We're going to see. I don't know if she actually has it ready to go or not. Um yeah, so we're going to get in the news. We'll get into yours, and then I got one little thing I want to talk about that. It's not even little. It's actually a big deal that's going on right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, so just so you, just a little titillating. It's uh, We're going to talk about the Mississippi River after yours. Oh, okay. But well, we'll talk about yours first. But anyway, you want to get into the news? Yeah, sure. What do, you, do you want me do to start want, or do you want to start? I'll let you pick. All right, you're, I you're will the guest start. Here. I'm the guest, yeah. So go ahead. What do you got? So, so this state? one is from, oh, man, how am I going to pronounce that? Uh is it? Oh, to- Toledo Blade. It for some reason it didn't include the T E, so it's like Lido Blade. I'm like, what? The? But uh outdoors. <clears throat> is, is this the- uh Michigan? Yeah, this Indi- is Michigan, yeah. Um more deer, fewer hunters for Michigan firearm season. So the article I'm 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 not gonna read it verbatim like I never do. But basically in this article they go into detail about how there's about two million deer in population right now. And there's only half a million hunters. So 50 years ago, there were way more hunters and way less deer. Now that is kicking so far backwards that they're starting to get worried about the deer population in the future, how it's going to be way too overabundant. CWD is going to be easier to spread. EHD, all of that stuff. 
Each day, EHD is seasonal though. That does it does come from bugs, and after a good hard frost, the bugs you know are down. So it should it should slow up as the season gets colder. Which, but CWD yeah. doesn't matter. That that is what it is, you know. So, but th- this article goes into great t- t- detail. It's it's more of a good read, like a like a very long article than a piece of news. But the numbers that they go through in here, uh, there was one point seven million in twenty twelve, um, less than one million fifty years ago. So it's just it goes into pretty great detail about the numbers and the way things are swinging. I I just don't get when I'm out there. I'm thinking like, man, there's a lot of people. So is it less? Is it less hunters just in Michigan? I or? think I think it's very it's so like you know I'm hunting within an hour of home. Well, an hour of home for me is also an hour from millions of others. So I actually thought like the one spot that we go to last year, we were talking about this. It is like almost, I'm going to say one and a half to two times doubled in popularity. I thought post pandemic, like last year, it was still kind of the pandemic and then it slowly start tapering off. There was more hunters out there this year than there were last year, which is just nuts. It I is mean, nuts. I mean, co- you can kind of thank some popular TV for that. And you know, I think, I think, uh, YouTube and making certain things cool and, you know, blah, 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 inspiring a lot of people is what did it. See, we started hunting during the pandemic but not because of the pandemic. It's just the stage of, we just reached a point. It had nothing to do with the pandemic because our lives didn't change during the pandemic. In not fact, at all. I worked more, you know? And so it wasn't like I was looking for something to do and came across hunting. It just happened to coincide with that time of my life, I guess, you know? But I thought that was going to wear off for people, and I don't think it did, you know? That's why I'm surprised Michigan doesn't have more hunters. It with did the, wear off last year, but <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's gaining popularity for a completely different reason now. Could be. Could be. I'm just surprised. I bet you Michigan's going to start handing it. You'll probably be able to get tags easily in Michigan, you know. Uh, and the other thing, too, the firearm season is also two weeks long. I don't know. I, I haven't researched all the firearm seasons in Michigan for They're long. Know, They're a long period of time. but Michigan's got to have one of the longest ones in the Midwest, for and sure. I, I think they do that because they really want a lot of people to get out there and a lot of time to get out there to really knock the numbers down. So uh, we're going to slide over to the Wolf Desk in Wisconsin and DuluthNewsTribune.com. So Wisconsin DNR releases new wolf plan management. Wolf, I'm sorry, Wisconsin DNR releases new wolf management plan. So back in 1999, they set a statewide thing. Now, we've been through this a million times. I'm just kind of going to go hit the high points. They set a 350 wolf for the state. They did that hunt a couple years ago. They killed 218 in 72 hours, blah, blah, blah. They estimate right now, and the estimates the estimates go back and forth, as you may know, as I report on this, back and forth for wolves, that as of now, they're estimating 972 wolves last winter. All right, so now they come up with this new uh, management plan. They are open to public opinion through January 10th, and they're not really giving specifics. They're pretty much saying... Uh, that they're not going to set a minimum, maximum. They're going to look at what's going on and then judge how many tags they hand out for a wolf. And so uh, it says here, since then, a federal judge in California ruled that most wolves in the U.S., including Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan, are back under federal protections of Endangered Species Act and are off limits to any additional hunting or trapping. That ruling has been challenged in court, but so far hasn't been changed. Uh, so the DNR said it had three underlying goals for the new wolf plan to accomplish, ensuring a healthy and sustainable wolf population to fulfill its ecological role, addressing and reducing wolf-related conflicts with people, livestock, and pets, providing multiple ben- benefits associated with wolf population, including hunting, trapping, and sightseeing. So they surveyed a bunch of people. A lot of people prefer wolf management, obviously. I'm I'm for wolf management, too. Actually, I'm going to take the second. So I do have to make a correction. Last week, we were talking about coyotes, all right? And I did get a comment on coyotes saying, ah, oh, you should be 
more open to coyote hunting. I am. I'm not against coyote hunting at all. All I'm saying is I'm not going to do it. Right. That's all I says. I'm not going to do it because I just I'm just not going to do it. I'm not against people that do it in any ways. I don't want anybody getting the wrong message. So I'm the, not against it at all. The one reason that I'm coming around to just like my last article, why I'm more in favor of wolf management is there needs to be a natural balance to crazy population numbers. Right. And we're all living together, but we have the power to control those populations. You know, coyotes don't. Yeah. That, I don't know. I, I think more wolves will solve your deer problem, you know, Michigan. So statewide, 75% of those, now this is where I would fall, 75% of those polled agreed with statements like, wolves are special animals and deserve our admiration. And 77% with predators like wolves keep nature in balance. So I agree with that. Like you were talking with coyotes the other day with bun, uh, rabbits in your yard. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, look at when the coyotes move in, we don't have a million of them, you know? And I, I don't even know if they're actually eating them, I, but they hide. You, you don't see them. When you, like, if you see a coyote within a week, you won't see a rabbit within two. So the proposed plan was developed with input from Wisconsin's tribal nations, which oppose wolf hunting and trapping, along with scientific literature reviews and the results of new public opinion survey that found most Wisconsinites enjoy having wolves around and want to see about the same number or more wolves going forward. So as of right now, they don't have an actual plan of, you know, we're going to keep this number. We're going to go down to this number and go up to that number, and that's all there is to it. They're going to kind of see, are we having problems, are we having complaints, and then make their judgment from there. And that's probably what they should do. I don't think they, you can make a blanket statement and just... Agreed, definitely, definitely. I definitely think I think there should definitely be a uh, exemption for people that raise cattle, any kind of livestock, and that, you know if they're, if they're just losing their livelihood because of one one animal, two animals, a pack of animals, maybe he should be allowed to do something about that. Yeah, and maybe all of those hunts should go to people that you know raise cattle. And for instance, when we were in uh, Barrow, Alaska, they were talking about when a polar bear walks into town, they have to kill it. They have to, and it's not because they want to kill it. And not, you know, it's not the reason is is it now learned it can come to town, which is very dangerous for people to have polar bears walking around in town. So they do that just to kill a learned behavior, and that's kind of what uh, you know a wolf pack finds a livestock farm and start plucking it off it's like well now you gotta you gotta take it out so it's uh, you get rid of that learned behavior anyway that's just my opinion there go ahead so what do you got you got indiana next yeah i got indiana so in indiana uh the <laughs> article i pick is by wthr 13 um good news for indiana dnr ahead of firearm season uh reports show some indiana counties fared better than others when it came to ehd cases in deer so you know they've been monitoring the swing of you know, EHD was like real bad last year. And this year, uh, they have over a thousand cases uh, in the summer and fall of 2022. And a third of those came from one county. So wow. one county's got a real bad problem, and the rest of the state is doing a lot better. So, and that's what, with the EHD, did they say anything? Well, that one county also has. 10 times the amount of swamps that other counties have. Didn't really go into detail. Because that's what I'd be curious about. EHD, like, you know, it, it's kind of like mosquito-infested type ground is what you're looking at for what the biggest problems with EHD. So, so this next part's going to be all about numbers. In Wayne County, they had 112, Henry County, 52, Rush County, 51, Decatur County, 19, Lawrence County, 17, and Morgan County, 10. Now, those were the highest counties in terms of numbers of EHD cases, obviously, other than Franklin County. I'd be I'd be curious to see if Franklin County then had 
uh, you know, 10 times the amount of wetlands as other counties to see if that has something to do with it. Cause I think it's, I think the more wetlands and things like that you have around the more EHD cases you're going to have before a good hard frost by prediction. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. We did have a, we did have a super duper dry summer this year though. I don't know if they did exactly. Uh, certain parts of Indiana just do not follow along with Midwest weather. They have the snow belt, which also could be the rain belt, you know, and it comes right down the Southern tip of Lake Michigan. So if that feeds a wetland or a river system that goes into something else and feeds this and that, they might not be like the rest of us when it comes to drought. In fact, it's funny you say that because we wouldn't be talking about drought. So they don't consider EHD to be a significant problem if the county has less than 300 cases. Okay. So that, that was an interesting piece of that that I found. It's like, so when do they start ringing the alarm bell? So 112, 50, 20, they you start know. getting some mirrors moving. Um, but yeah, 300 is like, whoa, we got an issue. And obviously that Franklin County had, had, you know, if they said a third, they had around, you know, 300, 350. So, but. Um, Did I got for Indiana? Oh, there was one more thing I was thinking of. That's deep within the article, but. Oh, and these are not confirmed cases. That's what I was going for. So these are ones that hunters just walk up on or people in the woods just walk up on and they report it. And they're not exactly confirmed. They could have died of something else. And uh, yeah, so not even confirmed. Maybe the number is even lower. Maybe there's some that people didn't see and the number is even higher. So, but they, they're optimistic about the season uh, for numbers wise. I'll tell you, these good hard frosts are going to help EHD cases out big time right now because we finally, finally got some cold weather. Anyway, you want to move to Illinois? Sure. So fieldandstream.com, eight-year-old angler catches potential world record shovel-nose sturgeon. Now, I'm, I'm going to screw this up. He must have, I don't know if it's some sort of Norwegian name, but Kasten Gustafan, Gustafansson, Gustafansson I'm going to go with, <laughs> likely broke state and world records with an 11-pound, 13-ounce sturgeon he recently caught in Illinois. Wow. So the eight-year-old boy boated a potential world record shovel-nose sturgeon on Rock River in October. Uh, it weighed 11 pounds, 13 ounces, and he was fishing with his dad and his uncle near the Quad Cities. So shovel-nose sturgeon are found only in the United States, primarily in Missouri and Mississippi River systems. Funny, we're talking about those today. Um, they say some sturgeon species, and you can definitely testify to this, is uh, they could be 20 feet long and 2,000 pounds. The shovel-nose yeah. <laughs> typically stretches, stretches no longer than 40 inches and maxes out at around 10 pounds. So... They are the same length. There's that. There's a picture to fish with the kid. I'm happy for that wow. kid. Wow. I hope I'm it comes for that kid too. I hope it comes out a world record for him. So they gotta they gotta do some tests and some weighing in. But this kid actually might have caught one out of uh, the Mississippi River. So and I hope that inspires that kid to take fishing to the next level too. Or he's just like, hey, I hit my high point. I'm done. We're gonna find something else to do. I'm gonna get into <laughs> yo-yo competitions oh, now. Oh look, I know? got this new VR headset. So. Yeah, that's it. That's all. Illinois, I, I, I went, uh, I did all my typical searches. I made to my third or fourth search before I found anything that was worth talking about. And I was happy for that kid. So I, I wanted to get, uh, you know, hunting and for, you know, Indiana and Michigan, not, not biasly because I just got one, but because, you know, the rut's coming up, um, their rifle season start pretty early. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of States take rifle a lot more serious than we do. I don't think, uh, which McCall Wisconsin starts till the 19th. So Oh, okay. I kind of okay. think a lot of people were out there just kind of scouting out for rifle season. Could be. Could definitely be. I know, you know, out west with elk and all that, people do that in the archery. They go out there with a bow, and it's like, eh, we'll be back, but I want to see where everything's at. Yeah, like, I will see you and, Saturday. Yep. <laughs> 
So anyway, you want to get into your hunt? Tell us all about your hunt. Yeah. So I don't know. Are you going to give locations, or are you just going to kind of? I'm just kind of kind of give it broad. I'm not going to be like on this street at this time. I'm not going to. Yeah. Do that. Park here. Walk into this. If you see a fork tree, turn left. <laughs> so Here's we the went GPS to. Coordinate. We went to a state forest back in May for turkey season, and we saw a billion deer. And it was just like, man, we got to come back here. Well, doe tags weren't available for that stretch of forest, so we were. Like, crap, we got to, you know, where are doe tags available next? And so we went to the next uh, region over, found an Airbnb that, you know, we were going to do beforehand, actually, and it just kind of worked out that way. And the Airbnb happened to fall right in this zone. So uh, we go up there, and this is completely new territory. Yes, we went in the general area in May, but this whole area is just completely new. Oh, it's just so massive. There's just so much. There's so much ground to choose from up there. That yes, you could be in the same, you'd be in the same half hour square, but it's not even close. You know, and it's no secret. I'm just not like, I don't know. I'm not even trying to not spot burn. I just don't want to. Yeah, right. Totally tell where I was at. I don't know. But uh, so we get up there Wednesday, and it's 68 degrees. And it's just, it's not blistering heat, obviously, but you walk around with just a windbreaker on and you're sweating. Yeah, right, right. So there was so much new territory that we, it was like day number one, we got there, we couldn't check into like, ah, I think the guy opened it up at one, our Airbnb or Verbo or whatever we got. And uh, so we get there, start walking around, looking at all these spots and we just see a bunch of sign everywhere. And it becomes pretty apparent that there's not going to be a whole lot of climbable trees. Kind of prairie landish. Yeah, kind of just super packed in thick where everything's packed in so tight that trees don't really get, you know, straight up and climbable. That's we how see, like, all the prairies that I've been hunting, like all the areas, it's the same thing. You get, And then when you do find a tree of any decent size or height, they're, they're like squirrely. They look like corkscrew looking knobby, little hairs coming off everywhere, you know. And, you know, up north is kind of plagued with a bunch of, like, I, 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 like I've always talked about, it, I got to get up in my tree science, but they're very tight in short trees. Yeah, right. Very prairie Maybe they're trees. older. Maybe. I, I, I don't even know. But uh, the, oh, there were so many branchy little pines that you could have walked up like a stepladder, but I'm not used to doing that. And I wasn't about to make a whole bunch of noise doing that. So I hunted the first two days out of a ground blind. Okay. That's still a good choice. That's still a good choice. You and, just don't uh, have the you just don't have the views that you would from a tree, but it's still effective. That's so yeah, even that night we go to Walmart and there's they, they have the ones that 180 degrees of this thing is the one sided paint, you know, the one sided coating. Okay. So you don't even have to open up a window; you can see everything. Oh, cool. I didn't end up getting one. Dan bought a ground blind just because Thursday we were supposed to have crazy storms. I thought you did have a ground blind already. I did. So why are you shopping for another one? Well, I was thinking like, man, I would like some more view. I didn't pull the trigger though. I was just this little pipe dream that's running through my head. Yeah, right. And I was like, well, maybe I can give Dan my old one and I'll just buy, you know, the one that I want. Something like that, you know? Yeah. So I wouldn't have two. But he didn't want one. He didn't want to store one. He bought it, didn't use it, returned it the next day. Okay. So. I haven't used mine this year. I used it a lot last year and I have not used mine this year. I just, I, I, the biggest thing is that one, I don't want to be tied to a spot. Especially, like, you pick a spot in a prairie, you could be within one of 500 places that deer are crossing. So, I haven't used mine just because I'm more looking for deer right now than I am narrowing in on one that I know is there. So, I get it. So, in Illinois, we're used to, you know, sign-up sheets and 
little you know packets that you got to put in the front of your car to say that hey i'm hunting here this is my number this is the date i'm hunting you know yeah all of that stuff you don't you don't got to do any of that in wisconsin you just park your truck wherever you think is fit and then you just go well in wisconsin it's just more ingrained in their culture here everyone's like oh you're gonna go kill an innocent deer no i only kill the guilty ones guys i'm only good when you see me (laughs) kill a deer it's gonna be guilty of something but uh that's a good outlook on it because that's definitely not how i felt but uh so there's a bunch of county land. So I actually hunted transmission lines for the first uh, two days because I thought, you know, this is this is perfect. This yeah, is good a, travel corridor. Good travel corridor. It's only 30 yards long, you know, or wide, I should say. And uh, so I was banking on that, and I'm thinking, you know what? I'm up in Wisconsin. I got to find a tree. That's just the way I hunt. This ground blind stuff is okay, but it's not, it's not what I do. So Dan actually convinced me. He's like, you know what? We just got to go scouting more. So we go scouting on thursday and we find a bunch of good spots and man i'm telling you the the rain happened and then it started pouring it was kind of like scattered all day yeah very get, frustrating weather i get up to the base of a tree hear a crack of thunder and i'm like you know what this is just not going to be worth it at all so i clean that tree up so i can come back in the morning i come back in the morning now we're talking friday morning and i sit there and i freeze Probably why I got this cold, but I, I froze dang near solid. I texted Dan like, hey, I'm doing pretty good. Hour later, I'm like. <laughs> I know. <sighs> oh, wet, oh, wet. And it doesn't, like, you you actually look at what uh, people die of hypothermia. I'm trying to think of some of the tempers I heard. They've been in, It's been in the 50s. People died of hypothermia. And most of the time, it has to do with being wet, too. Not too many people have died being dry in 50-degree weather, but you throw wet on top of it, and yes. So I should have stated that better. Friday morning. The cold, you know, between Thursday night and Friday morning, the cold front had completely swept through. So now it was 20 degrees high winds. Oh, so it wasn't even raining out anymore. No. Oh, okay. But it's still another shocker to the system. I know I was dealing with it this weekend. It's like it was like 75 here on Thursday. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, 18 degrees on Saturday morning or whatever day. No, it would have been Friday morning and then Sunday morning I went out. And it was like 20, you know. And it it just felt like it was 50 below zero after being in a t-shirt a couple days ago. So Friday morning, we were super optimistic. Uh, the only problem was the wind. I know that deer, despite the conflicting articles that you read, I don't really think deer move all that much during high winds. It's just, I don't just something so I think uh, you can debate that and all that stuff. But uh, I've seen a lot more deer move on quiet, still days than I have on windy ones. So while I'm sitting in this tree, I see a doe, and she's crashing around in the brush, doesn't really want to poke her head out. I sat in between two fields. And uh, I'm thinking, crap, you know, this this thing was 80 yards away. It was probably a little too small, probably wouldn't have shot it anyway. But I'm so happy that I finally, this year, I saw something in the tree. Here we go. Yeah, yeah right. This is the spot. And about 15 minutes after that, a truck comes in. Now, keep in mind, just like what I said before, you can go wherever the hell you want. And this truck came crashing through, you know, lifted Chevy that somebody took the muffler off. and Who really sports car. <laughs> what it is a hillbilly sports car so this guy comes racing through here we were worried because we saw tire tracks and whatnot and i was like ah, maybe this is not the spot when we were checking out i actually bumped one so i was like oh i'm gonna come back here park my truck and maybe people just won't go in there thinking that i'm in there well this good old boy comes crashing through there <laughs> turns around i don't know if he saw me or if he didn't i was like right next to the trail that he was driving on and he didn't he just turned around and whipped out of there which is like a complete blowout you know what i mean 
So this has something to do with shooting a deer? Or? No, no, no. I'm, I'm getting around. I'm just talking about my whole hunt. Oh. So I get down. I'm very discouraged. This is why I moved. Um, I moved and I, I went and checked out two more spots. Total bust. No shooting lanes. You know, not a really good spot. Very hard to determine how close the river is in some spots because we're hunting next to a river. And all of these are just like little fingers that you can hunt in, you know. I'm, I finally landed this one spot. And it's getting, it's not getting late, but it's getting to the point where I got to get up in a tree. So I find the spot right off the road. I park at a weird spot. I walk in from the side, kind of the back. And I do my typical thing. If you ever see me alone hunting in the woods, I just kind of stand there and I look. And I'm thinking, you know, where are they coming from? What's my best guess here looking for sign? And uh, I just kind of stop. I kind of take it all in. I'm the same way because I'm actually doing that because I'm like, all right, I'm about to pick something. What am I going to be committed to for the day? You know? This whole hunt, I'm going to be committed to this spot that I choose. So, yes, I look around very carefully. But if you looked at me, I would look like a outdoor video that froze. And, yeah. You know. But so I really had to go to the bathroom. And I'm debating, should I go back and go to the bathroom or should I just do it? So I st- eventually I came around to just doing it. I hop up in this tree. None of these trees, this is another reason why I stood around so long. All these trees are leaners. Yeah. Big yeah. time leaners. I fished, or fished, hunted a swamp the other day. There was not a tree that wasn't pointing towards the swamp. And I just kind of picked this spot as kind of like a last resort. So I get up there and I spend three hours and I'm sitting there thinking like, I should probably go check out the state park. Cause I do, I can hunt bucks in the state park. So I'm like, maybe I should go hunt the state park. I texted Dan like, Hey, I'm thinking about getting down and going to the state park. He said, just, he's like, you're in a tree. All that's going to do is take time away from you being in the tree. Agreed. So, but I like at the same time, if I can get there at dark, I can see how, how busy it is. You know what I mean? It's a good picture. Friday night, I can see how busy it is. So I decide to stay. My stomach's gurgling, you know, again, because I'm on vacation. I'm eating like crap. And uh, I'm I'm like really debating getting down. And all of a sudden, I hear, and I'm like. Sounds like a person walking through, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, he was stopping a lot. But uh, so I see this, see this deer. Couldn't even tell you if it was a buck or not at this point. And I, he just, he sits behind a tree for like 10 minutes. And I'm like, now my heart's starting like, and, uh, it's, it's kind of weird. Cause like you have to stop that by taking deep breaths and you can't take too deep of a breath. Cause you're going to make noise doing it. Right. And, uh, so he, he comes out from behind this tree and I could have sworn he looked up at me and I'm like, Oh, I'm out. You know, <laughs> like this was a fun experience, but man, I'm not even going to touch my bow. He puts his head down and he keeps walking in that direction. He's coming from, so if my tree is 12 o'clock, he came from like, like four thirty. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, my shooting lanes were up between like nine and 12 o'clock. And uh, so he starts walking. I slowly grab my bow. Now a little piece fell off of my bow that quiets down the arrow. So I put my finger on it and I grabbed my bow so slightly. And this thing, I didn't have gloves on because I had my gloves and my hand warmers. And my, oh, my bow is so cold, so cold. And I pick up my release so cold. And I'm sitting there like, how long am I going to be doing this? And uh, so eventually it took about 20 minutes, but he wiggled his way around to the front and he was just moving slowly. My only shot at this point was in between like a fork tree. And uh, I I lined up for that, waited for him to get in there. And I went, and I did a horrible meh. I did like a meh, (laughs) you know, and uh, because I was just so excited. But uh, he stopped, arrow goes. And I hear a dull thud in the back. And I's like, man, I missed him. I missed him. Pat's telling me the story. I whiffed. I whiffed. <laughs> and like, 
Like you've been you've been training, you've been preparing for this, and you whiff. You know, you completely <laughs> f this up. And I'm looking, and he he's after the shot. He walks away like, oh, glad that didn't get me. And then I see his tail start to do this crazy, like back and forth. He's like, man, I feel terrible right now. <laughs> I do not feel too good at all. And he walks off to about my nine o'clock, like off towards the road that I came from. And I'm I didn't know if he actually dropped. Or if, if he just got far enough away where I couldn't hear him anymore. And he wasn't like racing off. So I really, at this point, I really thought I whiffed. And like, is that the, is that the motion of a scared deer or a hit deer? Well, here, go to, go to the point now where why, what actually happened with that. So I get down off the tree after 40 minutes and I find my arrow. And my arrow is the exact color that you want it. Kind of like a frothy red. Yeah, double lunged. And uh, I'm like, oh, here we go. I text. I had texted Dan at this point because he was kind of in the area. And I'm like, I got a bloody arrow, dude. And my phone dies. Oh, wow. I told. I sent him a location where I was at and all this stuff. I think the last time my phone died was probably 2005. Just well, it so turns you know. out my phone's getting to that age where it really doesn't like the cold. Okay. Like, really doesn't like the cold. So I'll go from 75 to zero pretty quick. And... Uh, but anyway, so, talk, I want to talk about that. Uh, what happened with the arrow? Because you led up to how you thought you whiffed. Why didn't you whiff? What happened? Uh, it went straight through. It entered in on his ribs, and because I use a um, single blade. bevel two blade, uh, it went in through the meat of the ribs and went out the other meat of the ribs. So, so no, there he hit. We were doing this, working on this thing yesterday. He hit absolutely no bone. Absolutely no bone. bone. Perfect shot. I still say that this arrow was guided by the Lord because I totally thought I whiffed. It just was, it was so perfect of a clean hit that it went right through without slowing down and into the ground on the other side. And it was so clean that that deer didn't even know it got hit. It was just. Yeah, he walked a few feet and he's like, man, I'm starting to feel terrible. I just like, oh, lightheaded, stomach ache. (laughs) I I can't seem to get any error. But anyway, he dropped where I stopped hearing him. So he was down. He was down within 40 seconds, I would say, and he got about 50 yards. And uh, Nice, 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 nice. I, I Actually, I get down off the tree. I wrap up all my stuff because I was like, I dropped my platform, and I'm like, did he move? You know, did I spook him? Drop my other stuff? Did he move? No. So I start walking over with all my stuff, and I'm just going to the truck just so I don't have a whole bunch of crap on me. And I see his white chest. Oh, okay. I see like his white like belly and I'm like, oh, my God. I start getting excited. Still wasn't 100% sure. So now I'm walking to the truck. I got to climb up this rock pile because it's not the way that I came. And uh, put all my stuff in the truck. And I'm telling Dan, like, it could have been, been a down tree that I saw. You know, the light's getting, uh, like, real limited. Go over there. Perfect shot. Um, Dan, you know, this is my first year. So I, I didn't wasn't exactly well-versed in, like, what to actually do to field strip it. But... We got it. We watched a video just for the pelvis, and then everything else came naturally. Yeah, once when me and Dan, when Dan shot his first, and we were kind of both slightly freaking out because it's like this is something we've never even come close to doing something like this before, you know. But then once you make that first cut, it's all business after that. Yeah, you know? it really was all business. Um, you know, this thing died in a refrigerator, so I didn't have any time crunches in terms of like temperature and all that stuff. Yeah, it was cold. Uh, but anyway, this guy ended up being. Uh, the butcher said just under two years. So between like 18 months and like. Yeah, it was a spike. Like 21 months. So I don't know it, if we it mentioned was a spike. spike. But uh, Pat was feeling guilty. He says, he asked me, he goes, would you have shot this? I said, if it doesn't have spots, I'm shooting it. That's just the way this works. Won't shoot if it has spots. Other than that, it's shootable. 
But when I got to the people who took the CWD test, they were like, "No, that's that's a pretty nice spike." And it was a it was a fat little spike, man. He 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 was on the bigger side for being a spike. So Pat, you come home and then we hanging up in my garage. I love being that guy in the neighborhood. By the way, I told Kyle today. I said, just so you know, your husband's still that guy in the neighborhood. She's shaking. She goes, "Yeah, you got a dead deer hanging from the garage." <laughs> and I'm like, "Yep, I'm that guy in the neighborhood," you know. But, and uh, and the other thing too, it was headless at this point. So if anybody saw it, they'd be like, "Whoa!" Yeah. So know. tell them about that. They took the head for CWD testing. Talk about that. Why? So you know? they, from the way I understood it, I watched a couple. You know, after I got this thing, I, I researched that night on CWD testing. So I'm like, I can actually take the the nodes out myself and um send them in on a kiosk. But I'm like, I don't want to mess this up. I don't want any question in my mind to not eat this thing. Not that I wouldn't eat it. For CWD, but no, but like you and Evan were saying yesterday, but you'd feel bad about giving it to somebody, you know. Yes, you made the choice, but maybe right. they should make the choice too if you were to feed somebody with it. Yeah, like if Evan's going to feed it to his son, I want to make one thousand percent sure that thing doesn't have CWD. Right, you know you what want, I mean. You want so, it to be safe. Uh so they, I go to this place. The lady, the girl, actually, I should say, she was like in her early twenties, probably. She comes out with a knife, cuts the flesh around the the neck, and then a guy comes out with a sawzall. <laughs> rips that head off and then they they take it in and they're doing all the stuff to get the nodes out and she says you can have the head back and uh the guy's like i do mounts he's like do you want it mounted i'm like well how much is that gonna cost he said about 100 bucks i'm like you know what yeah i would have done it too without a without a yeah shadow of a doubt i would have i definitely would have done the same thing then he went through all these options and i'm like no no no, i just want something real basic you know it's just a spike you know so i got it uh on a little platform that you can put on the you could put on a bench, but I'm, you know, we're handy people, so I could put it on a wall if I wanted to, too. But uh, talk about, uh, you want, are you done with the hunt? Can we talk about processing? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you brought it over. We, uh, we, we added a hook to my garage, and I forget, why did we choose to do it in my house? Oh, because your, your garage is full. Yeah, I've, so I still have, I built a fence last week. I have no time. I got two boats in there. Wouldn't have the space to do it. So he brought, he brought the whole, whatever you call that. What do you call that Carter. bar? No, oh. the bar. Uh, the gambrel. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Brought that over. We hooked it up, lifted the deer up, got the skin off, which was a lot easier than I thought it was going to yeah, be. Yeah. I thought that was going to be a nightmare and it was actually really not that bad and, and oddly satisfying too. I don't know how to explain it. Was it. Like, yeah. it was like pulling off like a, you know, like sunburn, like the, the perfect, perfect sunburn sound piece, you know, yeah, perfect sound effect. But, but uh, uh, but we started, we started butchering it and we're thinking, I'm thinking two hours, maybe it's going to take us. We worked our asses off all day. Well, it's like every, every little muscle group has silver skin around it. So it's, you know, and we still didn't get it all. I'm saying willing to bet we got more than half of it. Oh, we got majority of it. There might be a little bit left on certain pieces, but after the grind, I think it'll be just fine. But this is our first time doing it. And the back straps, I kind of cut them wrong. So they're not like my back strap chunks are not huge, but I would say like probably like a quarter of it went into the grind pile on accident. Just I wouldn't I, say as much as a quarter. It was a, there was a sliver of it, but we still got very good steaks off of it. Yeah, we did get very good steaks off it. But I'm really happy with that. I feel like we did a better job than a butcher would in terms of care and how much you retained. And yeah, like when I, it just amazes me, butchers will tell you 100 bucks this, 150 bucks that. I wouldn't have done all that work for 150 bucks. We no. were in the garage all afternoon. Cool. But we were, but we were getting real nitpicky. Whatever, we got a lot of meat off those bones. There wasn't much left. There like, really wasn't much left, and we picked it totally clean. I mean, we had everything left over in a garbage bag, and we could lift the garbage bag. You so know. now I still have the the two hindquarters to really break down. I should have started that this morning, but I was just kind of in chill mode. Oh I, yeah, we we decided to record this, and you're kind of feeling terrible. So, but they're they're very well refrigerated, so I'm not really worried about timeline. I am going to get it done this week. So hopefully. Uh, 
this weekend we'll have like a little grind party at Bill's. You know, we got to get, uh, you still got to decide if we're going to do pork fat or beef fat. Uh, either one, you know, I just, uh, I can go to the, our butcher shop over here and see what they have. Be honest with you, I'm more about beef fat just in terms of flavor. Okay. But I don't know which one jives better with venison. That's the only. It issue. seems like everyone uses pork fat. Everybody I talk to uses pork fat, but no, I've no, seen no, videos. But I've I've seen videos of guys doing beef. I got to imagine whatever fat you're gonna choose, it's gonna taste more like that meat. So this venison is gonna have more of a porky taste to it if we do pork fat. You know, it it's more for more of a binder than anything. It's more of a so you can make a burger and not have it turn to cereal. You know, a bowl of oatmeal on a grill. So that's more what it's for than anything. So one thing I forgot to add because I'm doing the one sticking thing. Dan tried the one stick and he loved it. So yeah. now he's totally on board. But anyway, I was in the tree and I needed to rappel down after this deer. And I'm so excited that I did it like I did it a thousand times and I was a rock climber. I just went <laughs> and I was on the ground. <laughs> and normally I'm like doing a couple inches at a time. You you made fun of me the one time when I was standing in the tree and I'm getting down. Yeah, I had to take pictures to see if he was moving. I was comparing pictures to, <laughs> to each other. I thought, oh, yeah, he did move a little bit in his picture. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but this time I was like... Like I did it a thousand times. You know what I mean? My favorite way to repel is when the, it, the tree's leaning so much that I'm, I, I'm not even touching the tree when I repel. That's what happened. This thing was such a leaner that I, I my feet touched the ground about four feet away from the tree. Yeah. So is that it about the hunt? Or, I mean, do you want to talk or say anything else? I no, mean, any it. lessons, any major lessons you learned you just want to put out there? So hey. I will say that the situation was absolutely ideal. Um, I was very close to the road. Uh, he didn't go far. Obviously, it was a great shot. And I'm not saying that I, there's a lot of luck involved on that shot. I'm not saying like, oh, I planned this to perfection. Like, no. Uh, I'm thankful that we practiced so much and that we got so far into it because it was a really good shot. I'm not like bragging about it, but it's like. I oh, you can brag about it. That was a great shot. I, I can't be more thankful that it was that good of a shot. And I, I would like to think that the that God had a little bit to do with that shot. So I was uh, I was part of getting the hide off and cleaning ribs out. And I can tell you right now, there's not a better shot than that. There's not a better shot. It went right through, and it didn't it didn't even hurt any meat. We didn't even like throw anything out. We got some blood off some pieces, and that was it. You know, he didn't make a noise. He went down super fast. It was like the cleanest death you can possibly imagine. And I, I feel good about that. I still am struggling with the age thing because I thought it was a big doe. Um, I, I wouldn't struggle with it. And the only reason why I say that is if you just look at public land that is beat up by the public every fall, you're not going to have big buck. Like if you're waiting for the big buck, they're not going to live there. They're all scared out of there by the amount of hunters. And I think that's what we're dealing with where we hunt. So the other thing, too, when I shot him, it was still an hour before shooting light ended, but it was just low enough light where I thought – I kind of convinced myself out of thinking he had spikes. I thought that this was just a discoloration on an o's, on a doe's ear. So Remember I had that spike buck walk up on me? Yeah. And I thought it was a doe at first, too. So I, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's hard to explain because you're, you're looking at the body and not the head. And it's like all of a sudden you look at the head. Oh, okay, it's a doe. It's not a clear-cut – Big rack, can't miss it, buck. No, there's two slivers coming off, you know? And that's, it's it's just not bam in your face, definitely a buck kind of moment. The other thing that makes me feel better is that this is public land. Dudes are going to shoot whatever they see first. Me included. Um, I'm, I, I think if I were to go back in the tree the next day, I had a lot of work to do, so I didn't. But um, I think that I would have obviously waited for something uh, a little bit more mature. But I, I'm so happy that this happened this way. I got the first one. So like, you know, done. This is going to be a good tasting one. It was totally refrigerated, perfectly cleaned. 
It was uh, cold all the entire time we were working on it yesterday because we did it in a cold ass garage too. By the end of the day, me and Pat are looking at each other like, "Ooh, I'm getting cold, man." Yeah, We've like been the sun went down. And we were like, "Dang," you know. And the meat, the other thing too, you're constantly touching this meat and it sucks the hand. It sucks the heat out of your hands. Oh yeah, there's no way to do it. You can't wear winter gloves doing that. But I'll tell you, a lot of people do not enjoy the killing part. So you're not enjoying the killing part. But look at every other benefit. You got to sit out in the woods. You got some meat. So. Pat's having trouble with the, uh, the the violence part of this, the actual killing of an animal he's having trouble with. He's not telling you about it. He told me about it. but uh, No, I mean, I feel better about you know all the stuff that it, had it happened and like you see how much meat comes off it and it makes you feel even better. But um, yeah, I, I, I would definitely do it again. Don't know if I would shoot one that small in the near future. I'm kind of hoping you get one. Yeah. So... I'm actually going to, I'm going to talk to you about a hunt I'm doing possibly before work. So the one thing I was going to ask you is there's a spot that I set up in the last time I hunted in Illinois. I'm pretty sure you're picturing this. I think right now, Mm -hmm. um, if you want, I can go up there with you and I can actually film you because I'm pretty confident in that spot. Why would you still got tags to fill? Yeah, I know, but no, it'd be fun if me and you did a hunt together. I think so too. And it might be coming. Um, anyway, can we move on real quick to, yeah, to my little thing I wanted to – you're all done with yours, right? I don't yeah, want to cut you off. Sorry that was so long-winded. It was just a – No, it was good. It was a good. good story. I thought we were just talking about that. I didn't realize you were doing the whole hunt like the days. That's why I'm like, where is this going with the truck and all that? That's Oh, all. it's going where you thought I was going. But I, I just wanted to perfectly paint the picture of how this went. No, you did good. Because you, you did good. You know, if you tell somebody, hey, I killed something, they're going to be like, oh, he just went up to a tree and bang, there it was. But no, there was a lot of work involved. So like what Pat said, uh, he didn't say it on air, but what he did say is that uh, public land hunting in Illinois is way too hard for him. So he's going to go where it's easy. <laughs> I did not say that. <laughs> public land hunting in Illinois is very hard because of the amount of people. And I would have went, I got, a, I got a bunch of different things going on. It was my wife's birthday on Saturday. We had the nephew's birthday party Saturday night. It was just not a good time for me to go. So... I, you know, we'll have our deer camp soon enough. Yeah. Anyway, we are switching to uh, talk about a river. And we are not, like I told you, talking about the number one longest river in America. Do you know what the number one longest river in America is? Oh, I, it's My instinct says Mississippi. Nah, it's not Mississippi. What I, is it? It's the Missouri. So. Huh. I feel so like talking that about was the a question on a show that I we oh this is the fun part because I did not know this until I researched this. My whole life, I thought the Mississippi by far was the biggest river system in the U.S. It is not. Uh, the number one river in America is the Missouri River. So, do you know what the difference is in length on the Missouri versus the Mississippi? It's got to be astronomical. So the Missouri is two thousand three hundred and forty-one miles long. The Mississippi, I say that that was the Missouri. Yeah. Two, three, four, one. The Mississippi comes in at number two at 2,340. So two, three, <laughs> one mile difference. <laughs> that's so, not astronomical. That's uh, Yeah, I was waiting to see. I'm like, man, how much bigger is it? I'm like, a mile? I'm, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's got to be some sort of negligence in like how they map that. Anyway, I just want to run through this real quick because it is like it's becoming news and it's becoming news that affects everybody. All right. And you just don't know it yet. But uh, the severe drought throughout the U.S. over several months has caused historic river levels older than 30 years. And here's the thing that really like sends it home. So they can't compare more than to a few years ago. And the reason is because compared to the 1800s, they have dammed it. They've added levees and reservoirs. So we have changed the Mississippi watershed so much that we don't even know what it's supposed to look like in these times, if that makes sense. You know, we don't have anything yeah. going back on it. 
So uh, Mississippi touches 10 different states. Uh, it talked to, a bunch of the stuff talked about how 80% of the country, now this goes back to your point with uh, when we were talking about EHD, but 80% of the country are under drought and most river basins that feed the Mississippi are severely low as well. So I could tell you that me and Kel were driving over to the displays and I'm looking at the displays. I almost don't recognize it. I'm looking at it. And I'm like, that's my river. And it's like, look at the shoreline. And like, it's just not, there's just and not water. Think back right. to when me and you tried to record that fishing video. It was deep. Uh, what fishing video was that? Remember we were out there and we were kind of doing like a little bass competition and you ended up catching one. Oh. And we didn't use any of the footage. Well, I actually found that on a camera. So we like, were using, dang. we were using some bad stuff. Oh no. You know what it was is later on. We switched microphones on the camera you bought, but the microphone didn't work. So we had no sound for like all of the video, which speaking of which I do want to do another triathlon of some kind of one of these days. Yeah, we should. Um, so anyway, the one interesting thing that's kind of good is there are many historic pieces that are being revealed because of uh, uh, the water going down. The one that I can think of right now is there was a, a boat, a ferry that just showed up. It sank in the 1800s and that's what they used before bridges. So you showed up to the river and you wanted to go to the other side. You put all your stuff on this boat and they take you to the other side and take Absolutely. your stuff off. Well, uh, one of those just sank on the shore and they're like, hey, there it is. First time in forever that they were able to see this thing because wow. of the levees and damming it up and you know things like that. Um, so some people are blaming climate change. A lot of people are blaming climate change, you know, and, and it's like, I guess, I mean, there's arguments to be made there, you know, it's, we, it just could be a dry cycle that we're not used to. Um, barges on the river are cheaper than trucks, all right, and rail, and are responsible for hauling gas, coal, fertilizers, and building materials. So now we're getting into the effects of why the water being low. So it more things get shipped on this river than you realize, all right. So I had heard, sorry to interrupt, but oh, I, no, I, you, I had heard that because of how channelized we made the Mississippi River in some spots, that it actually washed out and it. it had way more silt in the Gulf of Mexico than like ever in history by a I, long margin. I didn't read that in this, but I could definitely believe that. Just think about in small scale, just small scale. So you step into a silty part of a river. You step, you step into the uh, floodplain side of a river and all that cloud comes up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that washes down and gets settled on something else, right? Obviously a small scale, not going to change anything. But now if you imagine up there with your bunch of equipment digging, you know, or not just that, you know, the barges in shallow areas, we, we see it in the canal and the cows nine feet deep. See how much crap they kick up. Oh yeah. Yeah. But like, even if you just walk through a puddle, okay. So walk through a mud puddle. It's muddy. Can't see it. Give it however long. And you can see through that puddle again at the ground. Right. And, but the, the, in large scale equipment's doing that. But when that stuff, you know, move, river's moving. So you throw all this stuff up in the air, it goes downstream. So you, you add a mound of dirt here. It's got to erode a little bit until it finds its home, you know, until it finds the main wear part that it's done wearing out right. and it's going to flow it downstream. So I could definitely believe we screwed up that river. But, the, you know, the more, the more faster flowing we make by channelizing it for, to get deeper ships in there, the faster that stuff's going to make its way to the Gulf. Yeah, and so to my next point, Army Corps is dredging a channel to keep barge traffic moving. So they're actually like, okay, well, we got to get these barges through. So they're actually out there digging it slow. It might never catch up, but they're like, we got to do something. I'm coming up on a prediction of mine that might be scary. And uh, this is just my own, this is my own prediction. I came up with this all on my own. Um, one uh, major export is ag products. Now, here's where it really ties into the rest of the world, why this is a problem. And Europe is buying a lot of these ag products. So with the war, war in Russia, they're not getting the fuel. They're not getting the stuff. They relied on Russia for a lot of stuff. Trump warned them about that. Hey, you guys got to think of something else. Because Russia's not reliable. <clears throat> so now they're buying 
stuff from us. And one of those things that they're buying is uh, coal for their heat, which they just got cut off gas prices. And they're limiting how much gas you're allowed to use in homes throughout Europe. So they're like, you know what? We'll buy it from America. You know, we got all up like Duluth area and all that with all the coal mines and stuff. Yeah. And uh, so we're going to buy it from them. We can't get it out. We can't get it to them. So now they're doubly screwed on heat products and food products and the, the corn products. Now we're competing with Europe. And so they're saying your food prices are going to rise. Your beef, because they're, you were, this is their feed for the beef, is going to rise. So what about, uh, you know, you said Duluth with coal, right? <clears throat> right, that, right. Well, Canadian National Railroad's up there, and they do a lot with that stuff, yes. But what about shipping it over the Great Lakes? So that I'm sure that's coming, but um, for some reason they use this main channel to go out and go out through the Gulf of Mexico and pick up, I think it's more ag products related than... Uh, Iron or not iron ore. I keep wanting to say iron ore, but coal. And uh, I don't know, maybe further down south, there's coal deposits down there. I don't know. Do you know? So one thing that really scares me is, uh, and I'm, I'm, I hope it doesn't happen. I read an article. Can't get the specifics about it, but this was a long time ago. California, i.e. Gavin Newsom, wants to divert the Mississippi River halfway so they can you know, have more water in California. No, bad idea. Well, that, that's why you're going to hear my prediction. I got a, I got a very spooky prediction coming at the end of all this. So yes, I would like to think that, you know, some of it's climate change. Obviously I really do think climate change is real, but can the, the other one be complete misuse of a watershed? Definitely. You know, we play with it and then they're like, Oh, it doesn't work. And it's like, well, maybe you shouldn't have touched it. You know, that's why the great lakes. I mean, you read that book that I did. Watersheds are the way they work is extremely, extremely fragile. They're very intricate, and it's like, yeah, it was working for, you know, ten thousand years before we got to it. And you anyway, go and take a glass out of a lake, and you think, well, that's not that much. Now you do it on a large scale, and it, it does add up. Let me keep going so I can get to my prediction, yeah. so you can hear it. <clears throat> so the trade on the Mississippi, all this barge traffic, is worth a hundred and thirty billion dollars a year. Hundred and thirty billion. All right, that's just barge traffic on the Mississippi River. That's it. All right. So right now, there are 2,000 barges that are backed up. Can't go anywhere. Not enough water. 2,000 barges. And they're actually turning farmers away with their grain. They're like, hey, take it back with you to your farms. We have nowhere to put this stuff. Stop. Turn around. You know, they're turning people away. Uh, It is so low right now. Here's an interesting point. It is so low right now that salt water is flowing upstream. It is making up the void that the Mississippi would have of fresh water coming out. That's how low it is. They, they give a number on how far? Uh, they did. I don't have it, and I regret it after I read that. But it's not, like, extremely far. I mean, it's, it's a few miles. Like, it's I mean, it's, it's, Missouri. it's measured in miles. But uh, it's actually making up the void. So the, the Gulf of Mexico is coming inland right now. That's kind of crazy, though. It's creepy. Uh, let me see where I leave off. Yeah, so the result, we talked about this already. The result in higher prices for things across the board. So, you know, we eat beef. Beef eats corn. Corn's going to be expensive, you know. So it was said that it needs a month's worth of rain quickly to just start to get the levels back up. All right. That's what one expert said. We need a month's worth of rain right now, and then it'll, it'll start working. Because remember, all this dry ground that feeds the Mississippi is also going to soak up. It's also right. not going to all be washed out, you know. Um, okay, so. And it's tributaries, too. That is all I have for facts on the Mississippi being low. So I, I have my prediction after this, but I want to hear what you got to say. Anything, anything you got to say? No, I mean, I think I said of it, you know, a bunch of it in the beginning, but, um, so to tee up, to tee yeah, up when I'm getting this, scary. 
to tee, what I, tee up what I'm getting going, man thinks they can fix everything, right? So they look at their they look at their 2,000 barges that can't flow. You just said the Gavin Newsom thing that didn't even come up in this, you know? So I just feel like man's going to be like, I got an idea to fix it. I know where you're going. Do you want to know where you're going? Do you know what? Do you want to hear it? And it's like, yeah. No, I don't want to hear it. So let's take this back 150 years. All right. So they opened the Calsag or the Sanitarian Ship Canal, like we talked about, reverse the reverse the flow. And they afterwards they said, Hey, let's do this in Lake Superior. I'll tell you what, we're gonna improve the St. Croix River with a canal. So my prediction is is that they're going to dig a canal from Lake Superior, who's seven inches of water above normal right now, or 18, no, I think it's seven inches above normal. So what I'm thinking is you're going to, you're going to, if this doesn't change, if we don't have water levels back, you're going to see them try and use the Great Lakes excess as the Mississippi River balance point. Now, let me make one thing clear. Lake Superior is the feeder of a giant river system that is the Great Lakes. And if you drain that, every other lake will suffer huge so i know but and you just wonder what they're going to do but so back to the civil war part so they they came up with this and they said we're going to improve the saint croix river and provide waterway from lake superior to the twin cities yeah you know all that stuff luckily they were exploring this option and they were exploring that option and you know they whittled down enough time so this is the 1800s they whittled down enough time to world war one to start all right and by the time World War One ended, it killed the idea because everyone's like, well, we got cars now. We got more railroad. We got, we got other ways. We don't need that canal. But now I'm wondering if they're going to look into tapping the biggest Great Lake and use all the excess water using a canal system to feed. Zero excess water. That's the way the Great Lakes works. There is zero access water. Well, you read right now, and they're all down except for Lake Superior. Lake Superior seven inches above. And Lake Superior has a constant flow of water from Canada with ice melt. And it, the Lake Superior is less likely to be in drought stage than the rest of them because it just doesn't heat up like the rest of them. It just doesn't, and it doesn't get drawn off of it like the rest of them, you know? So you're going to have some people saying, well, we need the water. We need the water. They're not going to, like, I know exactly what you're saying, Holly. It's the source of a main river system called the Great Lakes. They're not going to care about any of that. They're like, that's not our problem. You guys deal with it. So, but I could see them digging a canal 25, 30 feet deep to feed the Mississippi and anytime excess water is needed or anytime there's excess water in uh, Superior, it's going to be drained off to feed the uh, Mississippi. And then now, like you said, possibly a canal to feed California. They're going to be getting Lake Superior water to California if they do what I'm saying they're going to do. So this is my prediction. I'm going to cite that book again. This is the life and death of the Great Lakes. And if we do any of that, that will be the death of the Great Lakes. Oh, that'll be the start of it for sure. Think of the Great Lakes as the number one resource America has to offer. The world, really. The world the the we have all we have most of the fresh water in the in the world. Twenty percent is just twenty percent of the world's fresh water is in the Great Lakes. Yeah. Think about that. And we can't F that up. So but then besides getting rid of our water, besides that we have now just gave another avenue of Asian carp, zebra mussels. Oh, zebra mussels are probably... I don't know if zebra mussels are in Lake Superior or not. But we just gave another avenue for all these invasive species off the dirty-ass Mississippi River to get to Lake Superior. That's just... So I read that nowhere. I literally researched. Did anybody ever talk about a canal going to Lake Superior? And they talked about this thing that happened in the 1800s and finally got fizzled out in the 1900s and... That would literally be something I protested on. That would be something I pulled my truck up and I didn't move. I would flatten all the tires and you would have to haul me out of there. So, uh, 
So what do you think? Do you think that's realistic? Do you, can you see some idiot saying that? You know what? I hope you're wrong. I hope you're wrong. We don't, me too. But I you just heard see. it here first, but I hope like hell you're wrong. Yep. So anyway, I guess that's it. By uh, the way, you should name the episode after that. Mine's just a story. That's right. way more important. I'm serious. Uh, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Um, if, if Kelsey's going to do a Kelsey's Corner, here it is. I'm not sure if she's doing one or not, but uh, here it is if it is. If not, then that's it. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs> and uh, any uh, any little housekeeping I missed that we got to talk about with uh, things we said or did. The only thing is that coyote thing. I do my, I'm not anti-coyote hunting at all. I'm just well, not doing it. Here's what we got to do. We got to give constant updates on the situation. So We really do. Yeah. I just, I, for some reason I see somebody going to propose a canal and then, oh, all of, all of these, uh, all of these corrupt politicians, buddies, contractors that have a digging machine are going to get multi-billion dollar contracts that oh, I could just see the whole, I can picture the whole thing and I'm predicting it now. This came from nowhere, but my own brain. So red or blue, you will be an enemy of mine if you <laughs> propose this canal. Oh, big time, big time. Anyway, that's just a prediction. Could be so far-fetched. Everyone's like, this guy is completely nuts. But I just think the way the world's going is we're going to start grasping. We're going to be start we're going to be start scratching with our fingernails to save what we know, even though it's not it's, it, it, everything just might be washed up with it. And think about it. River. It's mostly for industry. Oh yeah. It's just a, I'm not we're, we're not tapping the greatest water source in the world to, for industry. No way. So anyway, we're going to wrap this up, and thanks for listening. And tomorrow, uh, I don't know who's going to read it, but tomorrow is Storytime Friday of The Law of the Jungle. So, Oh, yeah. Sounds like you're going to be reading it. Uh, me or Bill. So oh, we'll okay. see. Right. So, Oh, you know what? I didn't say that earlier. No Bush like Billy this week. He's worked. He's like 28 it. days. I did say that? Yeah. Okay. You, you didn't go into why, but you did say Oh, because he's like on his 20-some day in a row working, and he doesn't, he's been he, eating he fast beat. food. He looked real beat. So, yeah, he's all wore out. And uh, yesterday he was watching us uh, get the process in the jury. He's like, I got to go home and take a nap. He just felt terrible, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, we're cutting him some slack. He's got some time to make some overtime. So he's going to give it a break. But hopefully next week we'll have something. Anyway, that's enough rambling. And thanks again. Thanks again. <laughs>